0: if ever the circumstances of my life were such that I was no longer able to attend assembly meetings, I think what I would miss most is the Lord's Supper. My voice is a little scratchy and sketchy this morning, uh, overexertion yesterday for a number of reasons, and just to sit and softly sing, and hear other people singing all around me the beautiful hymns, and hear brothers participating, it's just absolutely beautiful to be at the Lord's Supper. I have friends who have left for other places, and I think, how often do they think about the Lord's Supper that they no longer are able to enjoy? They must miss it. Doug and B. Patterson, an elderly couple, were no longer able to attend the assembly meetings. And then the local assembly they were in, they set up a little camera at the front of the hall. And every Sunday morning at their apartment in their wheelchairs, they would attend, uh, virtual attendance, I guess, um, by Skype. And they would sit there and they would enjoy it so much. Oh, there, she's out this morning and brother so-and-so is there. Looks like he's getting frailer. And then one after another, brother, brother would pray. Then there would be the singing of the hymns. It was precious to them. And it is precious. Don't ever take the truth that we enjoy. Other places haven't discovered the truth yet. But don't take for granted the weekly remembrance of the lord's supper Um, it's a breach in perhaps protocol and tradition when preachers are at a conference gathering where they don't stand up but i don't come to the lord's supper feeling an obligation to take part but we should come with an obligation to be ready to take part because I think we've all been at conference meetings. It's not a problem this weekend. There's only two or three or four of us here who, who perhaps have that label on us. But we've been at conference meetings where 11, 12, 13 preachers prayed, and and we're no more. We have no more privilege to uh, to stand up and give thanks to the Lord than you, dear brother. And so it's just nice sometimes to. Here, other brothers stand up and worship and share their thoughts of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author of and finisher of our faith and this was quoted more than once in prayer this morning who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of god there are many men and women in the scriptures who suffered great trials and hardships. Hebrews 11 is filled with such Bible characters, but their faith in God sustained them through the wilderness experiences that we're hearing about yesterday, through the dark night of Christian experience that we heard about Friday evening. And it says, let us press forward. The supreme example eclipsing all those in chapter 11 is the Lord Jesus himself, the author, the source, The founder, the perfecter of our faith. We started our remembrance off this morning with the hymn, My Heart is Full of Christ. And then a brother prayed, talked. I don't know whether you noticed all the references to fullness, but full of grace and truth. And he was full of sorrow and reproach. And I perhaps missed a few, and full of joy. Well, He endured the cross. He despised the shame. There was a stigma of Nazareth. And then when he came out into public ministry, there was the embarrassment of going public without any big name endorsements from Jerusalem. Oh, he was endorsed by heaven. But here he was going from neighborhood to community to village, hamlets. And who who endorses you? The revered men with prestige and respect and honor in Jerusalem. And no, he had no big name endorsements. Your country will soon be going into election hours. So it's going to be much ahead of you in a few weeks. But people are always interested in big name endorsements. Who's going to support This candidate or that candidate. And it's big news when there's a big endorsement of a particular candidate. But the Lord Jesus, he had no big name endorsements as he went into public ministry. And there was a mocking, disdain, and the the belittling ridicule, the outright rejection of the rich, the mighty, the ruling religious elite. There was the shame of public execution. He could have, he came to die, but there are other ways he could have died. Could have died by assassination, clandestine killing. Still would have been death. He could have died in obscurity, in a wilderness place, but in a very busy spot our blessed Savior hung in shame upon a cross. Of all the touching scenes in the Holocaust museums that I've visited in this country and over across, when I got to the exhibits of men stripped of their clothes, and I thought, what what shame, what reproach, But our Lord Jesus, in shame, hung upon the cross. His was such a public, a shameful death. But he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Why? For the joy. For the joy. For the joy that was set before him. There was joy before him. And what was that joy? Well, the joy that he derived from accomplishing the Father's will. There would be that joy. There would be the joy of the thinking about the ramifications of redemption, not just of our own souls, lost, sinners, redeemed, but the fullness of redemption and the impact in the universe of the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the joy that was set before him the joy that was set before Him in bringing many sons to glory. That joy. He was willing to endure the cross, despising the shame. And He's the joy of being exalted, the ascended Christ, God's right hand, and to forever be in the midst of Redeem people. God is interested in your joy as we leave the Lord's Supper this morning. The Lord Jesus spoke of joy. He experienced joy. Don't picture the Lord Jesus as some glum ascetic unable to experience joy. He exemplified joy in his ministry. We heard about his singing. He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. He spoke of his joy. Even the night before he was taken out and crucified, he spoke of his, his joy. Dear child of God, joy, Christian joy, spiritual joy, it's not the absence of trial and difficulty in life and experiencing pleasant, summery, sunshiny days. It's a joy that comes from intimacy, heaven intimacy with Christ doesn't depend on the elimination of things that weigh us down joy comes from knowing that in this sad old world we're going to be returning to a broken world tomorrow this is just like a little oasis we're going back out into a broken world we can be in touch with God who has given us eternal life in Christ our joy comes from experiencing the presence of God in our lives, how did Paul endure all the trials, the shipwrecks, and the beatings and the floggings and the pelting with stones? How did he endure it all? He says, "None of these things move me; neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with with what? Acts twenty with joy, with joy." All that he experienced. And we were thinking yesterday in a couple of the sessions about Nehemiah and the depressed people of Jerusalem and how he and Ezra um, in chapter eight of Nehemiah, they have this large congregation of people and they read the word of God to them. And then the people who are aware of their sin and they repent and Then what does Nehemiah and Ezra say to them? In Nehemiah 8 and 10, it says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry. For the joy of the Lord is, that's your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Strength for the Old Testament saints. Joy is prominent in the New Testament as well. Paul wrote, we are pressed in every side. We're not crushed though. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but never abandoned. Struck down, but we cannot be destroyed. The joy of the Lord was Paul's strength. There are trials in Christians' lives. Personal trials, assembly difficulties, that engender bitterness in our hearts and, and we're, we struggle sometimes. Remember the words of Nehemiah and Ezra to these people. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You cannot derive joy from circumstances that can be effervescent and, and superficial and, and temp, just temporary. Thank God for everything that cheers our hearts on the pathway home to heaven of our circumstances. But go deeper than that. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When Paul was in that Roman prison, and death row, he wrote in Philippians chapter 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I've been telling this story, and with this story, I'll close about Helen Lemmel, some of you probably have heard me just in the last couple of years. Her story is, has touched my heart a lot. How can you be joyful? How can, how can you press on? And there's a hymn that we sing sometimes, that hymn sings, but Helen Lemmel, she wrote a beautiful hymn at a very dark time in her life. Her life had been wonderful up to a certain point. Maybe yours has been, and then everything crashed. Devastated? Maybe you're broken. Maybe you have a lot of questions. I talked, I talked to a brother the other day. And uh, he once was very active in the things of God. And he was just telling me. He said, I have deep questions. He said, I have questions about God. I'm filled with many doubts. About everything. He's standing there, and the tears were in his eyes. And a young brother, probably in his 20s, came up and he said, I don't want to interrupt you. look like you're having a deep conversation. We were at a wedding. And he said, I just want to tell you, and he talked, started talking to this brother, that's so distant and going through such a dark time. He said, I just want you to know that you impacted my life. My life has never been the same. Because of you, I just wanted to let you know. I don't think I've ever told you, and never said thank you. I don't know what it meant. This boy, this man was in too much grief of heart, too distraught to, for a smile to flicker across his face. Thank God for a young man who came up and just didn't know what he didn't know the circumstances of this brother. Helen Lemmel was going through a very difficult time. Her life had been so beautiful. Wealthy man married her. Her Christian life was going so smoothly. But then she was stricken with blindness. And her husband literally abandoned her. And she lived on government assistance out in Seattle. In a small bedroom, she remained faithful and happy in the Lord until she passed away at age 98. Yes, in, in, if this is not from the 1700s or the 1800s. This is from the 1900s era. And after she lost her sight and after her husband abandoned her, she sat down one day with blindness, and she wrote these words: "This is where the hymn comes from: "O oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free, and then you know the course." Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. There are Christians in this room, I'm looking at some of you. You have been through trials and tears that I have never yet experienced. And always, I can't imagine myself going through it. I don't know what where I would end up. But you're here this morning. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so as we leave the Lord's Supper, remember, He endured the cross, despised the shame, but it was the joy that was focused, that He was focused on. Fix your eyes. Look upon Him. As you leave the Lord's Supper this morning, may the joy of the Lord be your strength.